Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, craft beer and movie podcast based right here in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. What's shaking? Guys, if you never heard the show before, we, we cover two new craft beers, usually one new movie. In this case, uh, today, two new movies because Johnny squeezed in a bonus flick pick uh, with Nicolas Cage. Uh, it's Nick Cage, right? Am I tripping? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a minute. But before we get to all of our juicy, juicy content, I wanted to let you know, if you want to get a hold of us, you can reach out on our very sexy Instagram or Twitter, which we very rarely check, but the Instagram is super fun. You can also find us on Untapped. All of those are at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can hit us up on Letterboxd for movie feedback or let us know what you think about any of the movies we covered. We are both at, at Max Minardi and at Johnny Summers. If you want to send us a good old-fashioned email, you can also just do that, fhccast at gmail.com. And very lastly, but perhaps most importantly, if you want to give us money so we can keep the show going because you really like us, it's the season of giving, head over to patreon.com. It's where you can give us like a dollar or two dollars or three dollars or five or ten dollars per episode. And we give you all sorts of fun bonus content in return, uh, including sneak previews to our uh, very special Christmas uh, thing that we haven't really announced on our main feed yet. If you're into that sort of thing, check us out. Patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema at the very least if you're out and about driving something you're like i want to help these guys don't want to give them money just give us a rating and a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts we would very much appreciate it yeah man how are you i'm good i just cracked a beer i was gonna say we gotta yeah so let's i know i have it on our notes here um brewery first but i want to kind of get into the beer because I'm, I'm looking forward to drinking a beer today um, so I'll just say that both of our beers this week are from Monkish out of, uh, Torrance, which is basically LA. Um, and let's get into the first one. It's called Never Sleep. It's a double IPA. It's 8.4% and it is with Citra and Motueka hops. I believe Johnny Summers has just poured his. Am I correct? I have. Max, why are you in such a hurry to drink a beer today? Are you hungover? <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was uh, thinking about like an intro and I was like, well, maybe I'll say like, there's going to be a thick haze over our episode today. Both because of like our hazy beers and because yeah, yeah, man, it's been it's been a day for me. It was um, you know, just one of I don't know what happened to me. I just drank a bit too much the other night, and I turned twenty nine a couple weeks ago, and it seems like this hangover has hit harder than anyone I had when I was twenty eight, and I think that's how that works. Sounds like you know exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, I know exactly what happened. It was a terrible recipe uh, that tasted delicious at the time. But like I told you, I made this bed for myself, and now I have to lie in it. And you were like, "It's a familiar bed. We've all been cuddled up in this bed before." Um, so, for like most of 2020. Yeah, so it's all a long way of saying yeah. Like I've tried every other antidote besides just cracking another beer, and I it's you know four in the afternoon as we're sitting down to record this and. Seems like a good enough time as any to drink a a pretty um, sought after beer. I had I'll okay. tell you about where I got this in a little bit, but walk me through yes. what you're seeing in your glass. So never I never IPA sleep never sleep IPA double IPA. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there is there crank in this? Is there methamphetamine in yeah. this beer? <laughs> no, not to my knowledge. Although I haven't had it yet, so maybe that could help with a hangover. Man, at this point, let's give it a, let's give it a go. You should give I shook it. A, the- Go ahead. I shook the hangover and my house is so clean. <laughs> um, we need to give a disclaimer or you do for, for, cause this is like over the past, maybe, I don't know, I think two years or so you've been increasingly fed up with New England IPAs. We've had a few where yeah. you're like, oh, this is hoppy enough 
to, to rise to the occasion and work for me. I can confidently guess that these two beers are going to be more textbook New England IPA juice bomb kind of stuff. So safe to say you aren't the most excited for Never Sleep? Correct. Have you tried it yet? Just did. All right. What do you think? I mean, yeah. It's, so again, it's like it's 8.4%, so it's pretty strong. It definitely doesn't drink like that, which I, I you know, I think there's a time and a place for a, a sneaky little beer. Um, so I appreciate that it's pretty smooth off the bat. It's really like I just poured it into that um, Spiegelau IPA glass again, and it looks it looks just like you might expect. Super super um, cloudy, hazy. Uh, you know, just a pretty standard looking New England IPA, and it tastes it tastes good. It's we're drinking these about a week old, so they've just been canned, and it tastes like a really good fresh New England IPA. Like, I'm not mad about it on the first drink. What about you? It's fine. It it tastes like a New England IPA to me, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are gonna hate me for this episode. It's gonna be great. Um, I I like other beers, man. The, uh, it's well made. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it tastes like orange juice. So you're 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 achieving what you're after. Uh, it's not bitter at all. Uh, it finishes smooth and clean and just kind of disappears there's no bitter aftertaste it's like less bitter than orange juice so For sure it's some sort of it reminds me of like an uh an uh citrus cocktail something with like really smooth liquor and orange rind and juice or something and like triple sec i don't know it doesn't taste like beer to me it tastes like something else well i mean what does beer taste like to you then? Like, I don't get any hops. Like, I don't understand why this is a double IPA. I th- Well, because it's the the amount of hops that went into making it. Yeah, like, that's cool on paper, but, like, I can't taste any of them. So what's the point? This could be, like, a sextuple IPA, but if it doesn't taste like hops, what's the point of putting more hops in it? I mean, I guess to some extent that's true, but I, I would argue that what you're not tasting is the, the bitterness from the hops, and you're still getting all the flavors from the citra and the motueka that are just not the the bitter flavors. You're still getting that citrus you're talking about. Is, is a big part of it. Perhaps. So you're not getting the whole hop then. You're no. just getting like part mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's well made, but it's not for me. It's yeah. it's fine. If I liked Hazy's, I'd really like this. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, that that is basically uh, where we started, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Full circle. So the best I can do is it's well made and it's really good. Uh, I'm not a big fan, but... If you like it, you'll, if you like this style, you'll like it. I get the hype. I mean, it is good. It's, it's smooth. It's easy to drink. For me, the problem is there's not much nuance. The variance between like beer to beer of this style is, is not unique enough for me. Like this could be any two hops. I feel like, and this style comes out like, why does every single New England IPA that's well-made just kind of taste like orange juice? Like, I wish it had more nuance. Like, the ones that I really like are are definitely more unique in their their hop profile, and you actually do get some, some character out of it. But I feel like my problem mainly with this style is that overall they just lack uniqueness and memorability and and style. Like, it just doesn't grab me. It doesn't feel like... I can't say that I've never had a beer like this, like that IPA last week that tasted like crazy melons and starburst and mm. just wild shit. Like that's a beer I've, I've never had something like, and it had character and it had something memorable. Like 
honestly, it's starting to feel like you've had one hazy, you've had them all. So that's just my take. I'm going to let you talk for a while now because I've fully gotten my rant out of the way. But that's my take. It's great beer. But that's that's my caveat. That's the asterisk next to my eventual rating. Max, uh, you've had time to consume it because I've spoken many, many words. What what do you think of Never Sleep? Well, I got I to gotta, – I think you said a lot of things there that I kind of wanted to touch on briefly. Like um, I, I – I don't know, man. I, I'm super. I'm pushing back super hard against the like. It's not beer because it's different. Like, of course, it's not a traditional IPA. It's a totally different style. Like, I don't think that's a problem. I think that's totally fine. I'm with you if you don't like the style. That's one thing. Um, but I also want to push back against the, um, you know, tastes like orange juice slash tastes like all of the other ones. I was thinking while while you were talking and I was drinking this that like, so often I'll get a New England IPA that has sort of you like like um an unoffensive sort of flavor for the most part. And then right at the end, usually there's like something that just kind of cuts through and is like, like kind of the cardboard thing happens a lot. It just tastes sort of stale. Um, and maybe it's the fact that these are so fresh and also maybe it's the part, part of it's that this is monkish and like they do this thing really, really well, but this is a very enjoyable experience for me. It's super not bitter, but again, I don't want that. Like I'm not complaining about a stout not being bitter because I don't want that in a stout all the time. If it's like a, 13% 13% dessert sound. I'm like, well, there's no bitter chocolate. It's like, it's going for a certain thing. Um, yeah. It's like expecting a pastry stout to be bitter. Yeah. And it's, it wouldn't be, even if some of the ingredients in there might have been bitter in a different style, like you're saying hops in a West coast IPA are much more bitter. Cause that's what the style dictates. This is, this is, I think, yeah, like top, this is top notch new England IPA as straightforward as they come. I agree with you. There's not a ton of nuance here, but there's nothing jumping out to me as like, definitely not offensive. Um, I think it's all very harmonious. It, it, it comes together perfectly for the style. I think it's, I think it's really, really good, man. Uh, to answer your initial question of what do I think about it? I think it's, I think it's great. Fair enough. And, but also not the most exciting and that's okay. Like what was the beer from last week that you mentioned? Do you remember? Uh, it was one of the ones from equilibrium. I believe it was the, the, it was the Which first one, we, one. It was the first yeah, one. Yeah, uh, with the experimental. It's like experiment I was 27. Fractal. Fractal. It was fractal. Fractal. Yep. Yeah. So there isn't that degree of, um, or maybe there aren't that many levels to this one, but it doesn't bother me. So I'm, I'm a big fan of this, man. Um, yeah, I, just, I was just stoked to, like, I don't think I've ever had Monkish, maybe once. Um, and I bought a couple of four packs got my hands on those, which I feel was difficult to do. I feel like I've seen people like, Hey, blind monkish. And then it's gone. Um, so I got it, which is exciting. And and for me, part of the anticipation was like, I hope it's good. And I think it's pretty good. So that's where yeah, I'm it's, at. It's pretty good. Um, do you feel comfortable rating it? Uh, yeah, I think I do. Do you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to make sure I'm gonna take one more step just to make sure I know what I'm going to say. Me too. Hmm. Um, yeah, man, it's like a, it's a, it's a solid eight for me, like a really well-made and maybe not the most memorable flavor wise, but delicious beer. Fair enough. Well, you think I'm going to give this like a two, but I'm not. This beer is a 7.2. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I don't like it, but yeah. objectively that's what this beer is. Sure. It's, it's really well-made. It's a solid 7.2 beer. I would never buy it again. And I don't understand the hype. Okay. But that's me just being old and crotchety. So okay. <laughs> take it for what it is. If anybody's uh, listening, Johnny's like Johnny's like thirty what are you, thirty two, thirty three? 
33. I'll be 34 next year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. so but, like, like, I mean, you're like, not old. You're not old. Like, you haven't been drinking beer for decades, you know? Well, like, that's well, <laughs> it's not entirely untrue. Uh, like, I, I don't know. You just you came out swinging, like, this wasn't the beer I drank growing up. And you, like, if you made your voice a little bit more gravelly, like, that's a 70 year old man talking about Schlitz. Right. Uh, this isn't the white wolf that I right. grew up on. I, I, I take your point, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, though, this is episode 198, and we've mm-hmm. done two beers a show for the last, what, four years? Something like that. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's 400 beers that we've done. I think we have a pretty good sample size. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I was just thinking about that the other day. We have, yeah, we've tried our fair share. I agree. Yeah, exactly. Probably more than our fair share. We don't deserve some of the beers we get. <laughs> um, so really quickly, um, I know I was going to say this at the top, but I wanted to get this beer in the glass first, but... Um, I asked you before we started recording, like I've heard whispers of the name Monkish over the past couple of years. Um, yeah. And I wanted to double check with you that they are sort of a highly sought after brewery, which you confirmed. Um, yes. And they've only, I did a little dig and they've only been around since uh, 2012, which is not terribly long. Um, and it's really weird. I was like doing as much research as I could. Um, there's this really great article on goodbeerhunting.com. It's called Brewing by Feel, Monkish Brewing Company in Torrance. Um, and I guess that, Monkish started out uh, very averse to IPAs. They wouldn't make, there was a sign in their tap room that said, uh, no MSG, no IPA. And they what? started just making um, uh, Belgian style beers. They had two, I think they had a, a two tap handle refrigerator and that was fine for a while because it was a tiny little tap room owned by this couple, still is owned by this couple, uh, the Nuyens. And they, when they finally made a third beer, they would just use that fridge and every hour rotate out one of the kegs to keep them cold. <laughs> Uh, and they started and they were like, no, uh, no IPAs at all. We're going to stick to these Belgian styles. That's what he was really into when he started one of, uh, one of the owners, uh, his name is Henry, Henry Nguyen. And they tried their hand at Sours, like I think in 2013, like, and this is again, like Los Angeles. So like a lot of the sour beer stuff that is around now wasn't, uh, cause I, th- I think that's at least the American sort of sour trend is fairly new as well, right up there with the new England thing. Um, and then eventually I think in 2016, they started doing IPAs. And what struck me is like, that's a four year time span from when they started to basically come becoming like a sort of cult followed brewery for their IPAs. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, man. I was, I was just trying to figure out like, maybe that's where some of the hype comes from is like just sort of this underdog story, like very classic American craft beer startup, like you know, putting everything you have into this brewery and like working your ass off and like making it happen. That's, that's a respectable thing. I dig it. Hell yeah, absolutely. And they are massively popular. Like yeah, their online sales sell out like instantly. Like people drive down there all the time just for monkish. It's dude. Yeah. I mean, they are, they are the business as far as this style comes. Like they're, they are West coast treehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I was reading a, a subreddit about, about monkish and sort of like a trading forum, people trying to get their hands on it. And yeah. one dude who I think just moved to like maybe Arizona from Vermont or something was like, mm-hmm. man, I was so bummed. Like I used to be able to get treehouse like basically whenever I wanted. And then I came out here and heard about Monkish and I was like, it's probably no treehouse. And he was like, no, it's, it's just as good in my opinion, which I thought was, yeah, like what you're saying. They're very uh, comparable, uh, certainly stylistically hustle wise. And they're, they're making consistently good stuff. I agree. 
All right. That's, if you guys want to check out that article, it's it's a pretty uh, good read. It's uh, it's a it's a little lengthy, but it's again, it's called Brewing by Feel. It's on GoodBeerHunting.com. Highly recommend. Nice. Getting it to read. It's great. I think you could Google that and find it without much. That's issue. true. Yep. Um, okay. Nice. So never sleep. I'd say I'd say we link to it, but we we never we do never that. do. Just no. go look it up if you want. Just Google it. Find it yourself. <laughs> You're an adult with the internet and a yeah. supercomputer in your pocket. Figure it out. So never sleep. Monkish Brewing. 7.2 for Johnny. 8 for me. Johnny, do we want to play a trailer for your flick pick? You're goddamn right we do. You know what I don't understand? How the hell are you still alive? <laughs> Must have been a pretty bad fool. Comet you see in the sky right now passes over the earth every six years and causes a portal. But when it's open, we get a visitor from a distant galaxy. A poet warrior in the sci-fi sense. The spaceman. And he comes here looking for a fight with you. The chosen jujitsu. If he doesn't get it, he stays and he kills everything. That is alien politics 5 through 15. Now you are all the chosen jiu-jitsu fighters. But as long as you die bravely, no one else will have to. He's crazy, like me. That was a trailer for the possible Academy Award nominee. Oscar nominated soon to be. That's right. Jiu-Jitsu. Fun for you and me. That was a poem that we made together with our faces, and it was really exciting. Uh, yeah. So, Jiu-Jitsu 2020. You got Nick Cage, Frank Grillo, Tony Ja of Ong Bak fame uh, in an absolutely preposterous martial arts movie. The premise is every six years, an ancient order of jujitsu fighters joins forces to battle a vicious race of alien invaders. Okay. No, that's like not even, I'm going to do my own description. So forget what I just said. The premise of this movie is (laughs) dope. Okay. Okay. So the whole idea is ancient aliens gave us martial arts. Oh, okay. Okay. So in order to like, Okay, so ancient aliens gave us martial arts, and this elite group of people like have to train to like fight these aliens because this alien comes back every six years to like test their abilities in combat. And so, if they don't kick this alien's ass, the alien's gonna like destroy the whole world. So, no big deal, pretty low stakes. Okay. So, you have Nick Cage playing this crazy old man named Wiley. Yep. Uh, this movie was an absolute dumpster fire that was so much fun. Mm. Uh, I put it on because I wanted to watch a trash martial arts movie, and like this just popped up. It was like six bucks on Amazon or something, and okay. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Like, I'm gonna put this on, and uh, it was quite a ride. I had several beers while I watched it. I laughed. I didn't cry. Um, I laughed some more, and uh, it was a perfectly entertaining. Ridiculous, over-the-top action movie. Yeah, the, so the director, Dimitri, I hope I say this right, Logothetis? Logo, yeah, it's got to be it. Uh, his last film was in 2018 called Kickboxer Retaliation. 
um, which looks like the same exact movie, but um, not not Aliens. And then oh. he did one in oh I can't be right. Wow, he's been working at this for a while. If you look up his letterboxed career, it's uh it's lovely to see. There's just like a just a slew of stuff you'd see, just like B movie campy gorgeousness. It looks great. Sweet. Um so you're describing Predator, basically, right? Like a little bit. Like or, or like at the very least, Alien versus Predator, when like they find that temple and like the Predators come back to hunt aliens like every so often. And yeah, then, yeah like that's what this is, right? Um, a little bit. I was saying while watching the trailer, like I at first, because it feels very like in ancient times, this alien would come and, and the, you know, teach humans. Yeah, like the, the ancient art of jujitsu or martial arts or whatever. And then I was kept watching and then there was like modern military personnel. And like, yeah. like it just felt like this guy was saying, we're going to put all of the sort of what was that show on the History Channel where they would put one ancient warrior against another ancient warrior and like simulate the fight. What was that? Like history's greatest warrior. It really doesn't even matter what it was called, but that's what this feels like is there. We'll pick all the coolest types of fighting people and make them fight this superhuman alien guy. Hell yeah. So it was bad, but good. Exactly. It was not stellar acting. It was not (laughs) life changing drama. No, no, no. I know, but it was damn entertaining. Like it was, it was a, it was a, good shitty movie yeah exactly okay. yeah like if you, i sent you the poster and if you look at the poster that's what the movie is yes man the like, the, the font on the trailer is so good too it's like it's like uh like the edgiest stock font that comes with microsoft word in yeah bold it's like that's what they went with exactly it looks like fan art it's, it's super it's, it's great i thought this was a joke when i saw the poster and then i'm like oh this is actually a thing that you can push play and watch. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm in. Let's do it. Okay, so should I watch it? Um, if you're in the mood for something that I just described, yeah, hell yeah. Okay. Should should other would you recommend this to other people? Let's just say yeah. you, you can't say conditionally. If you had a yes or no, you'd say yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And you said you saw it on Amazon. You rented it. Yeah. Prime, like six bucks. I think six. Yeah, I think it was like six bucks. Okay. Uh, anything else in this film? Nick Cage is hilarious because he's Nick Cage. So yeah, I mean, he's, it's, he's it's doing the thing, Nick, right? He's doing his thing. Oh, yeah, it's Nick Cage with yeah. a sword. Like, come on, what more do you want? I don't get why he's the face of the poster, and it's called jujitsu, but he's sword fighting. Like, if he should be wearing a gi or something. Yeah. Why is it like, called? Why it, is it called jujitsu? Exactly. It's very strange. It's that's not cleared up. It's not much like actual practical, like a current jujitsu as we know it, but like. There's been so many incarnations of jujitsu over the years that it's just kind of like whatever. Kind of, okay, I'll but go not along. Really? With this. No, because you're thinking of like Brazilian jujitsu, but like jujitsu. There's other countries have forms of jujitsu that are like full contact. But if you're making this movie to an American audience, a large part who know but about the UFC, like that's what you picture when you think of jujitsu. It's spelled different. Yeah. All right. I just, why the sword? So he's like, he's, how is he old? Is he human? Nick Cage in this movie? You got to watch the movie, man. I, I just want to understand it. This is a wild can't. little unicorn of a film. It's, it's pretty intense, man. He's got a sweet headband. There's a lot of cool stuff that happens in this movie. There's this really weird thing that they do a lot. Um, at, at least in the first part, I remember it vividly of uh, <laughs> going from first person to third person. Um, the camera? 
Yeah. Ugh. Oh, it's weird. It's great. It's yeah. like, okay, that's a fun trick. Oh, they did that way too early. Well, if that's doing like, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But it didn't get like prevalent. It was like, they did it like a few times and you're like, did you just get that out of your system? Right. Like it was okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. it makes me think of movies where sometimes they'll have to like something comes up and the director has, to, or like what happened with Brian Singer in the, um, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody where he had to change directors like halfway through, like, I feel like they might've just been like, Oh, this guy has some cool ideas. All right. You're fired. New guy. Right. Like, well, at least I got my first person angles in. Yeah. Or like somebody thought they'd try that out and they just didn't have the budget for reshoots. Yeah, like, we keep it. Yeah. That's in the movie now, guys. That's great. I love it. Okay. That's jujitsu. Check it out on Amazon prime. If you want to rent it. Um, I definitely want to hear your thoughts. Uh, hit us up on, on letterboxd. If you want that in the meantime, we're going to play you a trailer. For our main movie of the week, it's on Netflix. It's called Dick Johnson is Dead. Have a listen to that trailer. Just the idea that I might ever lose this man is too much to bear. He's my dad. Let's start walking. Just start walking to me. That's fantastic. I suggested we make a movie about him dying. (laughs) He said yes. She kills me multiple times. Action! Resurrected dad. Yeah, resurrected dad. But now it's upon us, the beginning of his disappearance. The thing I hate most about my memory loss is that it hurts people's feelings. You know that you woke up in the middle of the night last night. You got fully dressed. Do you remember any of that? No. Yeah. What can we do about that? I don't know. Everybody has to sort of prepare because everybody dies. I love life too much for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, sweetie, your father is is a wreck. It's just inevitable and a part of who we all are. Yeah. The fact that he's willing to keep doing this. He's doing for you with love. He's doing it for me as well. Yeah, he'll do anything for me. Can you just, like, put one arm up against the wall? Like, yeah, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) That is brutal. Again, that was a trailer for Dick Johnson is Dead, the new, uh, let's say, pseudo-documentary film by writer-director Kirsten Johnson. Her last project was Camera Person in 2016, this film stars her and her father, her real life father, and my phone not on um, airplane mode. Sorry about that. <laughs> it was released at Sundance in 2020, came to Netflix October 2nd, and it runs 89 minutes long. And the letterbox synopsis goes as follows. With his inventive portrait, director Kirsten Johnson seeks a way to keep her 86-year-old father alive forever. Utilizing movie-making magic and her family's dark humor, she celebrates Dr. Dick Johnson's last years by staging fantasies of death and beyond together Dad and daughter confront the great inevitability awaiting us all. So this came onto my radar several months ago. I remember hearing about it, that it was going to be coming to Netflix, and then I forgot about it. And then we were looking at movies for this week, and I realized that it was out and available. So I was uh, pushing pretty hard for this. I was very excited. It's got that sort of dark comedy sort of life is tragic, but we all have to laugh about it thing that I really like. Um, but I don't, I wasn't aware if you knew about this movie or if you were excited for it or what you knew going in, but g- give me some, give me some background. I knew nothing. 
I read the synopsis once you sent it to me on Letterboxd, and I was like, all right, I don't have strong feelings about any other movies, so okay. I'm going to let Max pick, and we watched this movie. I think what the synopsis probably should have also included is that her dad is 86, and he's he's starting to show signs of pretty intense dementia. Is he? Are you saying that as a joke? No, or like, was that... I will get to there. Just keep going. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. So, like, that's kind of the idea. She she had lost her mother, the, uh, Kirsten Johnson had, years before to another battle with with dementia or Alzheimer's. I can't remember. Um, and at one point in the movie, she says, like, there's we're watching this sort of um, what seems to be footage from her mother's maybe, like, last couple years at, where she's kind of not all there. And uh, Johnson says in a narrative overdub, like, this is kind of the only footage I have of my mom. And it's not, it's nothing compared to like, you know, the bright, vibrant woman she was. So that was part of her reason for wanting to make this movie about her dad before he sort of took that spiral and and didn't seem like himself, which I thought was a really inspiring reason to make a movie. Um, but I will get to more of my thoughts in a minute. I, I do want to hear what you thought about it because I'm kind of getting the vibe that you didn't like it. Um, no, I didn't like it very much. Um, huh. I, li- I liked the idea of it. I did not like some of the execution. Um, so what I thought of this movie. Um, I thought it was confusing because the narrative was a bit clunky. I think it was really uh, haphazardly kind of put together um, because it's confusing how it plays out because you're watching what you think is a documentary, but in the documentary they're making a movie um, but like now I want to see the movie that they were making in the documentary. I'm, it was like, are they making a movie or are they making a documentary about making a movie about life? It's like, I don't know if it just got too meta or just, well, I didn't get what they were going for because especially early in this movie, some of the scenes where it's like, is this documentary or is this them? making a movie inside of a documentary and some of those scenes just got like overlapped and they kind of bled into each other. And it, to me, it was like, it made it lose some of the genuine feeling that you get from a documentary because like, um, a lot of it was about her dad dying in different ways. And those were blatantly and obviously part of this movie inside of a documentary that they were making Mm -hmm. but it led me to wonder like is her dad actually having memory problems like what parts of that were documentary and what parts of that were movie inside the documentary like it was a little confusing and i get the point that she was going for about capturing memories and like all that stuff and everybody dies i get it overall this movie felt kind of bummery and a little confusing, and, like, I was just worried about her dad at the end. It didn't... It wasn't clear-cut in its narrative enough for me, and I felt like it could have delivered a bit more on that execution. And if that happened, it would have been probably a bit more enjoyable cinematic experience for me because when you kind of sloppily make a, a movie about death and it's not concise, I don't want to be sad and confused, so... I'd like to, you know, I mean, like sad and confused about death is one thing, but like sad and confused about what the hell I just watched are kind of another. So um, that's why I said, you know, was he slipping into dementia or was that part of the movie? Like, did they like because they staged a funeral at one point, like did they stage taking his car away, too? Because they 
look like they staged the car crash that he got in. I don't know. Was that part of the documentary? Was that part of the movie inside the documentary? It was frustrating not knowing. So I get the idea of it, but was this a documentary or was this not? It was very vague and kind of just ambiguous for me. So please elaborate on your thoughts and maybe bring me some clarity or share my confusion. What's what's your take on Dick Johnson's dead? Yeah, no, I didn't have um, that confusion at all. I think you might be overthinking it. Um, no, like... He definitely has dementia. The idea of the of the movie Dick Johnson is dead is that this daughter wants to capture her father's decline, like capture him uh, in his best days before he gets too bad in dementia. And the way she decides to do that is by joking about making movies about him dying and coming back to life. I don't think that there is a movie made from all the stuff. I think she just wanted to like film her dad and like have these memories and and a funny way of capturing sort of the the morbid idea that he is going to die is by filming him dying and then bringing him back as like some large emotional catharsis over time. Maybe I'm pretty sure there is a short film somewhere though. Cause if you think back to all those scenes where they're filming people filming him, like it got meta, like on purpose, like, like she was making a movie inside of this documentary. Yeah. I guess I'm, I more mean like, I don't think there's a movie out there that like we can go and watch. Like, I don't think she oh, put, no. put that out to like the public or anything. So they were definitely yeah. filming it of course. And like the, she has that footage now her, for her family, but like the movie is the documentary about this man and they happen to be filming stuff within it. Okay. It just felt cluttered and confusing to me. Like, I don't know. I didn't really get the whole, like I get it. Yeah. Like you're filming this like weird, uh, you know, like a art piece about what heaven's like with people dancing and stuff, but it just, I don't know. It felt so clunky and out of place to me. I, I just think that, or at least the way that it hit me was like, I mean, there's a lot of families are weird. Everybody's family is weird. And like some people just are fine with, um, you know, remembering people when they die, but their family is particularly quirky. Like you have the religious sort of background, um, which is where the sort of silly heaven scenes come from, by the way, the slow-mo in those scenes, actually in a lot of this movie, I was just, it was delightful. He's so happy <laughs> in those scenes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I know. I think like this is just their family's way of, of um, you know, coming to terms with stuff. And when I looked at it through that lens, like it was just this particular daughter's way. She's a, she's a movie maker. So she's doing what she knows as a way of communicating and, and dealing with her father's mortality. And it's a little weird, but everybody's a little weird. We just happen. She just happens to have a camera. Yeah. Um, so I, I really liked it. I I'll get into some stuff when we start spoiling this in a minute or two here, but like there were, there was a turn or two at the end that I thought was a little bit dicey. Um, but overall, man, no, I really, really liked this. I just think, I don't know. I really liked, I feel like in a lot of movies where um, we deal with sort of, the passing of people, especially in documentaries, like when people die, it's always this very sort of, um, I don't, it's always very heavy, obviously. And the idea that you would purposefully create that, that death of somebody and then have a chance to talk to them after they're dead. Basically, I just thought it was a really inventive way of dealing with sort of the inevitable. I thought it was great. Yeah. It was interesting. I would have put this movie together completely differently. Like if I was able to edit it, like some of just the, the chronology of it really detracted from the main point and focus in my opinion. Huh. So anything in particular that you can say? Uh, yeah. Spoiler alerts. So the end sure. when, um, let's say officially like, then we're going to spoil this movie. Forward. Yeah. 
Okay. Exactly. Spoiler alert. The uh, the end when like like they stage a car crash in the movie or whatever. The, the heart attack. They stage a heart attack, sure. but you don't know if you're watching a documentary or not because like so much of it's just like found footage or like you know that like handheld camera oh, style. Oh, oh, when they when the, when they're in the ambulance. Yeah. I don't think that's staged. No, it was because the scene right after that was his death. And he was in the casket. And the, the literally the next scene is his funeral. I know, but and I I'm guess like, I, just thought, I really just thought he had a heart attack. And I'm like, okay, is it's the end of the movie. Like he's But gonna, they showed yeah, the, yeah. but remember at the very beginning they're like he had a heart attack like thirty years ago yeah. and he had three pieces of cake before he had a heart attack. And that was like, was that a, okay? That's so he had a heart yeah, attack. I just thought he had another heart attack, I guess. Maybe, or maybe he, they only referenced one heart attack, and like it's all bouncing back and forth. Like I don't know. So I was assuming that dude was dead. I'm like, this movie ends with him dying. I'm like that makes sense. I get it. I was prepared for him to just yeah. be dead mm-hmm. because you've had him just in interviews, and you think it's like modern day, and it jumps back and forth between these make believe scenes. And what's actually a documentary so often that it's like, I don't know whether to be invested in this scene because I don't know if this old dude with dementia is acting or not right now. So you have this scene where it's staged or not in this ambulance and the next scene is a funeral and I'm fully convinced that this dude's dead. Yep, me too. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's fine. The movie ends. They wrap it up. And I like that he wasn't because I don't want the dude to die. He's sure. cool. Like he seems nice. But it's also just, it felt so clunky. Like- Okay, so you wanted, I get it, you wanted everyone to feel like he's dead and you wanted to put us in that headspace, but also, like, I don't know, don't call this a documentary if you're going to put so much fiction in it. Like, it's, it, and then, like, try and pass the fiction off as documentary. It really, it killed the vibe for me. And I'm like, I get it, you don't want the dude to die. It's just, it was so, it felt so clunky. It completely took me out of it. Like, I was just sad and, like, disappointed that it wasn't a better movie. And hmm. I was sad at the premise. Like, I get it. It's kind of a it's kind of a bummer of a topic, but also like, man, that movie just wasn't put together well. And that I, bummed yeah, me out. Too. I mean, the thing that I, I mean that was the turn that I was gonna talk about too. I didn't have the idea that the ambulance part was staged, but I'm gonna go out on a limb here and try to make the case that even if it was, and it sounds like it, it definitely could have been, um, like it's I don't know, man. For me, it just was so much not about sort of the what what is real and what's not because even in the scenes where he's clearly like it's so over the top when his fake deaths are happening, like that's still a really real emotion that she's tapping into. So so further on, like when there's a fake funeral, like when his best friend gets up and is like actually crying, even though he knows he's not dead, like those are real emotions. And I think yeah. this movie, the documentary within the documentary or just the film in general is really just about exploring those emotions. And I think if you do that in a new and creative way, which is what this film did, like more power to you. I'm interested in seeing, it's just a, it's just a way, it's just a therapy. It's, it's personal therapy for this girl and her dad, this yeah. filmmaker and her dad. And it's like, it was very strange. I'll give you clunky even a little bit at times, but um, the overarching sort of emotional themes held it together for me much, much more importantly than anything else could have detracted. I don't it didn't it didn't play as a documentary to me which kind of bummed me out cuz i wanted it to be a documentary about this girl and her dad yeah, and like I mean, all yeah. of all of that fiction being overlaid real human interaction absolutely just took me out of it but so. i mean it's still about her and her dad i mean like even the fictional stuff like it's still the two of them expressing their relationship in an unconventional way 
yeah, but it's a documentary. You should have a documentary. And then I was expecting this short film to be at the end of this movie. Mm. Like, what's this thing been building to? What's the point of showing us film, all these little scenes and all this, all these little snippets? Just is that just for her to have? Yeah, but probably. like it would have, it would have been such a nice bow to tie this movie up with if they focused and made it a documentary and then played like a little ten minute short film that she made with her dad at the end. I mean, I but guess, like, but we're also it just, just tried to mix both worlds too much for me. Yeah, we're just operating off of a template though. Like we're 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 just it fought our expectations a little bit, and I I think it just that didn't bother me as much as it's bothering you. Well, if it's a documentary, it should be a documentary. Don't like, put it, it, it can be whatever. Like a documentary by definition is just basically not by definition. I'm making this up, but like it's a movie that is made to tell a story usually based in the real world. And it's nonfiction and, and real. And most of this is that. And even if it's not like, I don't think a documentary has to follow necessarily the same template every time. Like this is still yeah, a documentary to me, but it was still like, it was a lot of fiction. Like, like it was not a documentary. It, it shouldn't be labeled as one. Super, super disagree. Because because they're not well, showing you the stuff as they're not showing you the stuff that they filmed as the movie. You're seeing how at best how that stuff is made, which is all. But sometimes very real. you are. Sometimes you are though. Like I don't think that they were filming when the, he crashed his convertible. Just like I don't think that that ambulance scene was real. I think there was a lot of stage stuff in here that felt like documentary, and it was just confusing. But are you saying you you because you did get some of those scenes like you're saying? Are you saying it would have felt more like a documentary if they just put all the film scenes at the very end in the form of the fictional movie that they made? Maybe because then you would have some differentiation. Because like I want the relationship, I want the conversations with her and her dad, and I want that documentary style. And then there was just so much fiction and like make believe thrown in, and just switch from scene to scene, like. One scene's like them talking and the next scene is something that's fiction. Like some scenes were really obvious. Some scenes it was really hard to figure out and we're disagreeing even now. Like if they were fiction, like it's even classified on IMDb as a documentary drama. Mm -hmm. So that's a subgenre I never knew that I hated. Sure. Okay. Hear me out here. I think that the intersplicing of the fiction stuff is part of what propels the real life uh, like conversation for us to be able to understand it. Cause like there's these really high highs where he's very goofy and laughing. And then there's obviously some really intense lows and they're, they're sort of cut up by like a catharsis by seeing like, Oh, he's dead again. Like we can now talk about this new thing or we just have. And like, it, it just bridges the gaps of a really tricky story to tell over the course of a couple of years. And I think those they they work really well as like chapter heads to be like, here's what's happening. Here's what we're feeling like. And I, th- I think it's a good benchmark for, for feelings. Sounds like I a suppose. I mean, yeah, but still a benchmark a for feelings, but you know, it's, yeah, it's like, it's the momentum that kind of carries us to the next part of, of his journey or their journey as, as a father and daughter. I, I think it's all, I think it works, but you know, this yeah. is taste and, and personal preference probably. Yeah. I don't think it needed it. I think it got in the way and the moments that were genuine, I liked the most Oh yeah, far and away those are those are great. I feel like we should talk about a couple of moments because there's a few that, um, like, did you ever find yourself fully emotionally immersed, or or could you not even get into it because of the stuff you're describing? I barely, a little bit, a yeah. couple times, not really though. It yeah, was overall yeah. just more like melancholy after I watched it. I was like, cool, that was fun. I watched like fucking cartoons or something now. Yeah, I mean, I'm so interested in in sort of like 
the legacy that somebody leaves behind or, or how different cultures deal with death or even different religious cultures deal with death. Um, and when they start talking about like their mom, her mom and, and his ex, his, what do you, what's the proper respectful term for a passed away lady who was married a widow? She's not a widow. She's dead. She's dead. The dead mom, <laughs> um, like that stuff. And then you can see the same fear in his eyes of like not wanting to be a burden. And he knows he's kind of losing his memory. Like that stuff yeah. really hits hard for me. And I, I, I don't know, man, it was, I like to see that explored in a not so conventional way. That's mm. what I like the most about this. All right. Well, maybe I need to watch more documentaries that explore death in conventional ways. So I need cheering up and I can watch this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't need death to be cheerful. I don't need death to be glitterized. Uh, I would much rather see raw, real human interaction and the way it impacts both of them because, you know, she made a show of it instead of, you know, showcasing the actual interactions, which is is fine. And that's that's how she wanted to make it. I just I wasn't the biggest fan of it. But she did that, too. Like, there are those moments where there are those human moments between the two of them. Yeah. Which is also honest and truthful and, and good. And she just also happens to put in her way of dealing with her dad dying, which is making it seem like he dies. Yeah, over and I mean, over. And maybe, maybe, maybe there wasn't enough of those genuine moments to make a full documentary. Well, maybe, you know. Uh, okay. Well, who knows? Dick Johnson is dead. It's on Netflix. Johnny, let's give it a rating. And for the record, he's alive at the end of the movie. He is alive at the end of the movie, which is great. I even looked it up. I was like, because this came out, or they finished filming, presumably like you know a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. Couldn't find out if he's still alive. I'm gonna say. I for, feel like for you our, should... he's alive. You should be able to find that information out. I mean, also, that's kind of the other thing, too. It's kind of a bummer. Like, dude didn't die at the end. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I, I want to agree to that. I was promised this guy's dead. I was promised a death. I was promised a death. There was no death. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, I will that. say one thing, though. Like, I thought it was pretty cool. It made me think it'd be really neat if, like, when we turn, like, 70 or some shit, mm-hmm. that we just have a fat funeral, like a like the funeral. Sure. And that way, like when you actually die, you can just you know get cremated, and your friends don't have to do anything. Wait a minute, uh, you're saying have a real funeral or have a fake your, funeral? A real funeral while you're alive yeah. for yourself. Yeah, that'd be great. So that when you actually do pass away, your friends don't have to do anything. Like you've done it; it's already oh, done. Oh, I see. Yeah, like man, I don't know his friend though at the fake funeral. Pfft, that was kind of the thing too. Like that guy was clearly having he was having a hard time when he saw him in the casket the first time. Like uh, that guy I thought he was broke overacting. Down. Oh really? No, come on. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking come joking. on. <laughs> Overacting. Although Jesus, like, that I guy did was have, falling. I had this one moment where like cuz he talks about playing this like this whole anecdote about like playing the horn at the party and I was like this is going to be not good cuz he's like crying but something majestic and 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 lovely and then he pulls out this fucking What was that thing, man? It was bad. It, it was, was like a worst. little hunting horn. It was terrible. And he was just yeah. blowing into it. And he said, it's like, it's a song called this. And I will try. And it was just like one for like, you know, like 12 seconds. It felt like comic relief. Dude, man. it super like, did. And and then Johnson, director Johnson, not Dick Johnson, cuts the camera to like the audience. And there's a couple, not the audience. I don't think it's called an audience at a funeral. Um, why wouldn't the, it be? The guests, I guess. In this case, it would be an audience. Slash, the galley? Yeah. And like some of them are kind of smiling like. And this is before we realize he's not dead. And I was like, yeah. am I, am I, is it okay if I laugh at this? Cause like, this is absurd. This guy blowing this horn, which like, God bless him, man. Like what a, a genuine dude. 
his friend was both of them, but like, I don't know. I guess if it's your friend's dying wish that you play that horn at his funeral, you got to do it. But like, what a sound. And how are you not, practice. how are you not going to smile when that happens? Yeah. Maybe practice a little dude. Like when's the last time you played that horn, bud? <sighs> yeah. Bad, bad horn. That was, that was bummer. Which is to bad say horn. getting back around to, uh, to our ratings. It's not a 10 for me. Cause I do feel like the fake funeral thing was kind of dicey, not from, um, a real life perspective. Like it seems like everybody there knew he was still alive, but from like, yeah, kind of a, a movie making perspective and, and to the film audience, like to us, it did feel sort of, um, you know, duplicitous maybe. Yeah, that's fair. So I saw nine from you. It's a you nine. I really like this. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. I just, I, yes, I liked it a lot. We've already talked about it. It's a nine for me. Yeah. What about you? It's all right. Uh, for me, it's a 4.2, not the biggest fan at all fair. for many reasons. Most of which I've already said. So yeah, Okay. You've come this far. You heard what I said. Yeah. So wrapping it up again, it's Dick Johnson is dead. Um, probably our most divisive film between you and I in the past, I don't know, six months maybe. Uh, if you guys have thoughts on Dick Johnson is dead, please let us know. We'd love to hear it. Email us with lots of sentences, fhccast at gmail.com. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with beer number two. Guys, you know him. You love him. Talking about the handlebar right here in Chico. Super, super great craft beer bar restaurant. They have the coldest, best trumers in town, and they have a happy hour seven days a week. Johnny Summers, give me the deets. Exactly. Seven days a week, two to six, you're going to get some money off some craft beers, some money off some of their delicious cocktails, and you're also going to get half off bottles of wine, which is absolutely crazy pants. It's a great place to go hang out. The patio is a happening. It's all ages. They have good food, great drink specials. Go check them out. 2070 East 20th Street, Handlebar Chico. We are back from a break with Monkish Beer Number Two. And this one, Mr. Summers, I believe, um, will be one to put your um your variety palette to the test. I'm hoping that because Breaking Hughes, which is another double IPA from Monkish, eight and a half percent. The difference is with this one, it's double dry hopped. So everything we were just saying about sort of the mellowness of the hops not even being there uh, for us on the first beer and that bothering you, I am hoping for your sake and your mouth's sake that the double dry hopping of Galaxy, Eldorado, and Idaho 7 hops in this beer brings out some of that bite that you want, but for my palate, it's still kind of a smooth, juicy New England IPA. Have you had a chance to taste it slash pour it in general? Yeah. And? Hmm. It's better than the first one. Oh, good. For sure. Okay. Um, yeah, you actually get some hop characteristics. It's it's better because I actually feel some dankness. It smells. Love, yeah, it's there for yeah, sure. Yeah, this is significantly more enjoyable for me. Okay, so we've debunked that they all taste exactly the same, which is a great point to hit first. So you like this? Yeah. One. You like this one, or it's just better I than said, the one you didn't really like? I said it's better than the first one. I didn't okay. say I like yeah, okay. it yet. Don't be putting that's, positive that's things in my mouth. <laughs> Um, okay. Can I also say that their beers come and go so quickly that it's kind of hard, it's hard to find info on their website because they just basically take them down. Um, mm-hmm. and I could not for the life of me find what this beer was called for a minute. I just thought it was called drink freshies, but that's what they put on all of theirs. And it's right on the side of this pretty, pretty, uh, psychedelic looking can right over on the left bottom. It says breaking hues, like breaking news, but with colors. Um, and we didn't point out the first can either, but I really like both of these. I feel like they're sort of like almost low effort, like cheesy filter kind of stuff, yeah. but it kind of works, you know? Yeah. I'm into it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's eye catching. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
and I'm going to double check the can date on this, but yeah, same thing. This one was canned on November 24th. We are, uh, I think December 2nd today. So, um, very, very fresh as well. And I'm sure that comes through. I haven't tasted it yet, but tell me more about what, uh, what you're experiencing. Yeah, it's actually, it's super bitter, which is good. That's the, the most redeeming thing about it is that it's a little bitter. Like it actually tastes like something and it's not just going down unassumingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, now the question is, is it good or is it just bitter? Just bitter. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's way more bitter. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. It's way more bitter. Um, and man, the mouthfeel is, is, it's almost off-putting. Just how, so? how thick, how thick it is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm a bad person to ask about these beers, man. I feel like I'm just negative Nancy over here. Well, then I, here's what I like to do is I like to give myself a challenge. If I feel like there's something I don't like, I try to put a positive spin or vice versa to like, make sure I'm holding myself accountable. Like if there's something I love, I'll be like, well, let me try to see what's wrong with it. And I think we do that with beers that we love. Therefore, if there's beer we don't like, we should look for the good qualities. Yeah. This one's definitely yeah. more orange juicy than the last one, though, too, for me. Yeah, more pithy. Way more time. pithy. It's got that, yeah, it's got that bite. And I think, you know, the hop bitterness in a New England IPA often comes across as like, because of the hop profile most of the time, like citrus bitiness, which yeah. is fine. But I feel like I have a lower tolerance for that. Like it's, I don't know, man, to some extent, the straightforwardness of just a plain old smooth New England IPA is a little bit more approachable to me than sort of the the double ed- potentially double-edged sword of like, there's your bitterness, there's your sweetness, and those things are going to now joust for your attention. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good sentence. Thanks. <laughs> we should just get that printed out <laughs> on a piece of paper for you. I, I, it is still good. Like, I like it, but I think I actually like this one less than the first one. Me too. Oh, you've, you've 180'd. Um, well, it's bitter, but like I said, I don't, uh, that's the only thing good about it. And it's not that good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. You know, it's, it's fine. It's just a weird dance that I don't love doing the, uh, the bitter. No, it feels like it's, it feels like it's trying to be two different things. Let's talk more about mouthfeel. Like you were saying, cause now I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's just, it's so viscous, like, it coats your tongue in a way that, like, makes it feel slimy after you drink it, and yeah. it really, it honestly almost makes me a little nauseous. Oh, wow, you very much flipped. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say slimy, I was going to say almost gritty, like, it's got a lot of heft, um, where I think I came out the gate on the first one, being like, this doesn't drink, like, 8.4%, this one doesn't drink, like, 8.5, it drinks, like, 10, like, it's so heavy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not for me. None of their beers are for me. Monkish, not not for Johnny. I guess not. No. Nope. Sorry, I know they're super popular, and I I get it. And you know what? It's just more for you guys to drink. I guess um, so. Yeah. I am I am a unrefined heathen when it comes to <laughs> New England IPAs because I don't like them, I don't want them, and I'm not into them. At the very least, this is going to be great for promoting this episode. Like. I could make it so clickbaity. Johnny says, yeah. Johnny says, monkish beers are trash. See what yeah. happens next. Why all New England IPAs are trash. <laughs> I don't Click hate here it to find out. nearly as much as you do. It certainly doesn't almost make me nauseous. Um, yeah, but I'm but not, I definitely don't love it. No. I, I want to drink like anything else right now. Do you have anything else? Mm, no, I need to go grab something we could else. Do it. We could do some edit magic if you wanted to. No. Okay. Um. Look, I think it's I think it's I think it's good. You know, 
I don't love it. I I'm going to finish mine. I probably, I mean, I have, uh, I think two more of these. Um, so I might, I might sort of reach about and say like, Hey, is anybody interested in these? Show me what you got. Let's make a trade. Better do it before this episode comes out. That's a good point. <laughs> but no, but, but like people, people like this a lot. Yeah. Although, and this is too easy of a burn to avoid. Maybe the reason Monkish is so traded is that nobody wants to drink it. Uh, Couldn't avoid that burn, but you know, that's probably not true. No. Like the name is so popular. Like people just get it and they're like, we'll give it to somebody in the Midwest who's heard Monkish, but never had it. Yeah. We called that trade bait in the biz trade bait. Yeah. That sounds yep. right. Um, yep. look, yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's, I'm trying to think of more things to say because I feel like I haven't said enough about this, but I don't know that there is a ton more to say. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think is important? No, <laughs> not really. I'm sorry. No, I'm trying not to be a dick, but no. It's yeah. It's 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 just a pretty bitter New England IPA that is got a lot of heft from the name and was relatively pricey, probably overly so. But supply and demand, capitalism, beautiful day for it. That's how it goes. Yeah. So. Let's rate it, my friend. You take your time. I'm going to take one more drink so I know what I'm saying. All right. Well, for me, yeah, this is definitely, I'm drinking, I'm not going to finish either beer, and I drank significantly less of this one than I did the first one. Again, I'm probably going to get crucified for this, but whatever. I don't know. It's a it's a 4.8 for me. Damn it. I wrote a five. That's, that's very funny. I feel like that speaks volumes to like, I, I like it a lot more than you. Um, but I think you're compensating for being objective. So you're bringing it up a little bit and I'm bringing it down to also try to be objective because I don't think it's <laughs> great, you know, and we end up in some sort of, uh, almost similar ballparks, which I think is very yeah. smart. A similar, Go us. sad, sad, bitter ballpark. Um, okay. Well, again, breaking Hughes, monkish out of Torrance, California, 4.8 for Johnny five for me. Let's move into Hot and Bothered, and we'll just sort of assume that um, the hype that Monkish had built up is sort of now a bothered for us. Um, and what else you got, dude? Hot and Bothered. What's got you going this week? Or not? Uh, uh, well, I've got two hots, and uh, nothing stands out particularly bothering me. So, uh, yeah, we'll stick with the hots. One is a record, because I think that's just my thing now. That's my signature move. Yes. I'm going to drop drop a record, that, a new record that I've been listening to and, and hot and bothered that I think more people should listen to. Last week's was definitely not very appealing to the masses. No, that's true. Uh, <laughs> at all. Yeah. So Hochelaga from Dope Throne. I'm almost positive that no one looked it up. If you did. I looked it you up. Didn't, Does that You didn't count? tell me. I did. Yeah. Did, did you listen to it? Yeah, I didn't like it. You know. Yeah. It's not for me. Yeah, but, figured it's not for you it's like the new england ipas of records for your ears exactly um so record or movie first what do you want uh uh, sticking with um with with theme i suppose um i suppose record all right so the record that i have been listening to a lot that i've been really enjoying uh, in a sharp pivot from last week is a lovely little bluegrass album put out by Sturgill Simpson called Cut and Grass Volume 1. He has gone back and redone most of his back catalog and mm-hmm. a couple new songs with uh, a really cool full bluegrass band. Nice. And it's a totally different take on a lot of his music, and it's just so deliciously bluegrass, and it's just so easy on the ears and pleasant 
and it's got the mandolin and oh it's just it's beautiful i love bluegrass i love sturgill simpson uh this is the record that i didn't know i needed in my life and it's fantastic and if you're a fan of sturgill simpson or a fan of bluegrass in general or just good good music i would check it out that's cutting grass volume one sturgill simpson just came out this year you can get it anywhere sturgill simpson is somebody whose music i haven't explored a ton of, but I remember kind of hearing his name a lot. I think it was back in 2017 um, or maybe 18 at the, at the CMA awards, the country music awards or whatever mm. it's called, um, which is a place that he would probably be, but he didn't go. He, yeah. he stayed outside if I remember right. And he was busking and like taking questions and like kind of taking a stand against the CMAs. Yep. Um, I'm trying to find a quote here from him. Because I remember he said something. Oh, he said, I don't take requests, but I take questions about anything you want to talk about. Fascism sucks. Um, with a sign that said struggling country singer, anything helps. And then he gave all his donations to the ACLU. And later on, he said, because this was like, yeah, it was 2017. Um, he started talking about Donald Trump. And I will quote this. He says, quote, he's a fascist fucking pig. And I'm not afraid to say that. Anybody who's still supporting that guy can't be anything in my mind but an ignorant fucking bigot. So there it is. Anybody that's surprised to hear me say that is going to unfollow me or stop listening to my record was probably not listening that close anyways, which is to say, um, I feel like there's a trend in country music where like you don't speak out against typically conservative political parties in America or, or, or politicians. Um, and somebody else, another country singer just did this. Um, Jared, if you're listening, you know who it was. I think you sent me the link. Um, oh man, uh, it's not Tyler Childers, but it's, it's kind of a newer, younger country singer. Um, and I just think that's such a cool thing, like boycotting the CMAs for whatever reason. He's just like out there busking, um, which is all sort of a long way of saying I would love to borrow that record at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have a physical copy of it. I just purchased it on iTunes. Oh, okay. Um, but I am going to be getting the vinyl in eventually because it's, yeah, it's one of those, like you throw it on and just vibe out and have such a good time. Totally. Okay, um, great. I, I've always loved him because he's very traditional country, like old school, like way back like 40s 50s 60s country yeah yeah um in style for some of his early stuff but he's never been one thing he's always yeah. branched out and done so much unique original stuff like he put out a record called Sound and Fury that oh, was that's like right. an, yeah 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 that was like an acid trip disco psychedelic acoustic rock album that had a fucking anime movie on Netflix that went with it like wow this dude can't be put in a box, man. And then he follows that up with redoing all of his music as bluegrass because fuck you. That's great, man. I think that's very cool. Yeah. I love it. I love his uniqueness. Like you never have to question when you listen to a Sturgill Simpson album if it's not 100% him. Like you know it is. Like that's it's great. 100% what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, whether he makes money or not. You're getting the original genuine article. And there's not nearly enough of that in music these days. No. So how can I not support someone with that sort of spirit? I was going to so, ask you why you bought it on iTunes instead of like streaming it on Spotify, but I think you just answered my question. Which is to say I? that you like to support it. Support, yeah. I mean, granted, iTunes is. I don't think he gets any money from iTunes. Maybe a little bit, but it sounds like you I'm just sure. want to support the arts and people that uh, make good art. Yeah, that and it's just easiest for me. I just clicked it and it was on my phone. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. fair yeah. enough. I'm going to go but with no, the, the more altruistic one. 
I'm going to say the Thanks, Art Supporting man. Arts. Thanks, uh, man. Give me credit where yeah. I need it. Please help yeah, yeah, me, yeah, dear yeah. God. Uh, <laughs> but also, yeah, I'm going to go like directly to his website and order vinyl directly from him. That's Do like it. with uh, yeah. like, like Run the Jewels' new yeah. album. Yeah. They gave it away for free, but then you could like purchase a vinyl or like, you know, purchase stuff directly from them. So. Yes. Do that shit, man. It's good for you. Okay. So a movie also? Yes, a movie also. A brand so, new movie you've never seen before? Or oh, <laughs> a classic, classic movie that is uh, balm for the soul and bleach for the eyes after you watch a weird <laughs> documentary about death All right. that Max makes you watch for the podcast. It's a good we don't have to do this. We don't have to do it. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> you didn't get it. You just didn't get it, and that's whatever. And it's not, I guess, All right. whatever. We don't have to do this. It's fine. Okay. Okay, tell me about your movie. I'm just, I'm literally like, sound like pulling my hair out oh of my, my face, God. just pulling will, it back. Will you just adjust your beret? Yeah. It's I, a, you just I didn't my get it. My you didn't get the film, sir. You just didn't get it. You didn't understand it. <laughs> um, you remind me of the, the comic book guy from Simpsons right now. I don't watch The Simpsons. Too lowbrow for me. You wouldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. Don't yeah, fight after you, I don't want to fight to the death about this, okay? But you should, because what I watched after I watched Dick Gregory is Dead is I watched Bloodsport. Dick the, Gregory? The 1988 <laughs> classic martial arts combat film starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. So I like to say it every uh, time, say it like that. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wait, did you mean was, to say Dick Gregory? I got it. Is that real? Did you mean to do that? Yeah. Not Dick Johnson? Okay. No, it's a joke. Okay. They're jokes. Because I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um, Bloodsport, maybe one of the greatest martial arts movies of all time. It is so bad that it's deliciously good. Um, very like looking like watching it now. It's like so WWE, just ridiculous. Um, but damn, it was good, man. And also gotta say it, Jean-Claude Van Damme as a young man, sexy as all get out. Yeah. Kind of makes you consider like. That's the point in my life that I'm in now. And I'm not, it's not going to get better for, for us. Like we're not going to suddenly become young Jean-Claude Van Damme later in life. Like we're, we are at that peak that he was at in that movie. Yeah. Very disheartening. Yeah. I looked down and I said, I Jean-Claude Van don't. (laughs) See, I looked down like also disillusioned. I'm like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It has to be asked by the way, it seems like you're on a martial arts kick this week. Was, how does this compare to Nicolas Cage's jujitsu, um, it was in the same sandbox, definitely. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, but also, like Bloodsport was just so unique and original at the time. Like I was watching Bloodsport since I was a small, small child. That's not good. Like I, I watched Bloodsport and like tried to do kung fu yeah. like immediately after, and just like throwing flying kicks. And then like the Mortal Kombat movies came out, and I was just, oh yeah, I, I thought I was those. gonna, yeah, oh yeah, dude. So jujitsu sparked uh, a desire to watch a better, a better one, a a better Uh. one. And also just like going down that journey and found out that Shalina had not seen Bloodsport. And she's also like not seen on lock, which is one of like the best modern day uh, martial arts movies ever made. Like Tony Jaw from Ong Bak is like Ong Bak one was absolutely classic, man. Like took that. Jackie Chan approach of like no wires, no CGI, no yeah, stuntmen, yeah, yeah. crazy shit. So uh, I feel like this is propelling me on a on a martial arts journey, not physically, but uh, with my <laughs> eyeballs for entertainment. Sure, okay, that makes sense. 
So I, I might learn some moves just from watching. You don't know. Fuck around and find out. Do it. Yeah, fair. Uh, so that's me, man. That's okay. what's got me hot. I need to know what's got you hot. And one of your things that I see on the notes, because I know what's got you hot, but I want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we got uh, it. It's a radio show here. I get it. Yeah. it's. Um, I'm going to just ask you directly because sure. it's a movie that's been on my radar for yeah. a long time. Yeah, and I'm yeah, excited yeah. to hear you talk about it is Under the Silver Lake. Right. It it's, is an A24 joint from 2018. And I've had it on my list and on a several queues for at least a year and it's one of those ones i just haven't gotten around to watching so please if you want to don't mind starting with silver lake i'm really excited to hear about it so yeah i mean similar boat like it's been on my radar for a while it's it's sort of on my list of a24 movies that i really want to get through and i don't know exactly what inspired me to watch it but i started it a couple weeks ago um not maybe not a couple weeks ago, a week ago and then i got maybe halfway through and i picked it up again this week which i think was a mistake but it's whatever it's two hours and 20 minutes long um it was directed by david robert mitchell who notably did it follows a few years back which i okay. loved it was one of my favorite horror movies of that year um, that was one with the std right yeah well yeah that's kind of the yeah basically you have you have sex with somebody and then a ghost not a ghost like a a demon it's unclear follows you around unless yeah, you that's have what sex I said. with somebody else so yeah it's like an std it's never called that's what i STD. said a sexually transmitted demon demon <laughs> well played sir um but under the silver lake same director it stars andrew garfield as this dude named sam who lives in los angeles he's like a you know it's he's his age so he's like a young 30 something um it's kind of a bit of a pervert uh, like spies on people and is like very sex addicted, like tries to binocularize people in his compound. He spies on this woman who feeds her bird topless. And he finds this gal around the pool. Um, and he's like, Hey, you seem great. We should hang out. Uh, they hang out. She disappears. He decides to dig into the seedy underbelly of the hidden codes in our society to try to track this girl down. And that's basically um, the crux of the film that it's, a, there's a lot more going on here and I don't want to spoil it particularly cause you haven't seen it. Um, but it was a bit of, um, it was more of a mystery ride than I was expecting. Like there's a lot to dissect in this movie. Um, and I do feel like it's one of those that wasn't the most gratifying on a first watch. Um, but it's good. It, it's certainly ambitious. I think it's ambitious. Um, and I would, hazard that there's a lot more going on that maybe I'm just skimming the surface of if I can stick with a, a lake theme. And if I dive a little bit deeper under the silver lake, I could probably delve more from it. I would love if you watched it and okay. we could kind of hash it out together. Cause, cause it is one of those that I feel like, like it needs to be sort of dissected. Um, I, don't know. I pro probably just wouldn't get it. <laughs> no, you'd get this one. That's fine. Okay, <laughs> cool. A bunch of sex crazed degenerates. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I identify with that. Sure, so, yeah, I mean, but it's, yeah, like, um, so Riley Riley Kyo is in it. She's been in a few things we've covered on the show. I think the last thing that I talked about was the Lodge. Um, Topher Grace makes an appearance. Um, there's, there's, he's a, your Spider Man. Yeah, he's my Venom. I think. Oh uh, yeah, no, who oh, the other guy that was oh, Spider Man? Toby. Toby yeah, yeah, yeah Toby McReynolds. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> um. Anyways, it's on. It's on Prime. If you have that subscription, check it out. It's two hours and twenty minutes long, which uh, you know, felt a little self serving. There's some points where it's um, it drags a bit, but it does have a lot to say sort of about, I don't know, like the 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 griminess of American pop culture and sort of, um, I don't know, like unhealthy male sexuality. And there, there's some stuff in there that's probably worth thinking about. Um, and it's got a very oh. specific vibe 
um, okay. that, that I really liked. And it won't be for everybody, but I think it's worth checking out. So if you get a chance, Under the Silver Lake on Amazon Prime. Johnny, you have to do it for me. And anybody else listening, please consider doing it for me also. All right. You have to watch Jujitsu. I will. I'd love to watch Jujitsu. No, you really, you really don't have to. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Um, cool. And then very, Anything else? Yeah, very lastly, I've spent, I've been sort of in a songwriting um, spree the past couple of weeks. And I cranked out a song in like two days the other day. And I finished it and it's called tentatively, but I think it's going to stick with it. It's called Marianne for no particular reason. It just worked. It sounded like the name that inspired me. And then I wrote a whole song about this fictional person. Um, and I'll play a few sometime. It's not uh, recorded or anything, so I can't play it now. Not that I'm sure that I wouldn't actually, but still. Um, what did you just, were those words? Yeah. Sorry. I get a little bit nervous when I'm talking, <laughs> when I'm trying to, I'm not even promoting my own stuff. But I start talking about it, and I just start making nonsense. Or uh, um, or uh, a uh, okay. Well, that sounds dope. It's like, not, I want to yeah. hear it. It's not recorded anywhere. Even if it was, I don't think I would play it here. But I will play it for you at some point, Johnny. And I'm trying and then to... it'll be it'll be my hot, and then I'll make you play it on the show. Ooh, what a nice workaround I, you've made. I'll promote you. Yeah, suck it. Point is, um, it's been nice to kind of fall back into a creative groove the past couple of weeks. It's something that I've sort of lost the habit of during this pandemic. And it was, it was fun. Like I've spent, I think in the past, maybe two weeks, I've spent nine or 10 nights, at least for an hour, just kind of sitting down in front of a piano and like, what's going to happen. And then writing down ideas and some of them don't go anywhere, but this one did, which I think is very nice. Very cool. Come play it for me on my porch right now. I might, you never know. Serenade me. You just want to just underneath the moonlight, just me playing a song on your doorstep. This is the night. That should be a Patreon uh, uh, tier. Like, I think people give us 50 bucks an episode, we'll show up once a month, you and I, and do some sort of performance. Yeah. We could just bring spaghetti and straight up Lady in the Tramp that shit. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I like the idea that we'd have to make the spaghetti to do it. Cause I'm not eating old spaghetti. Like, and I'm also not buying the spaghetti. Like, we're going to have to make it. What are we? What are we, peasants? No. 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 Um, that's my hot and bothered, man. Do you have anything else? No, this has been a weird episode, it but has. I loved it. Yeah, okay. I loved it. Then then very, uh, again, briefly, as usual, uh, this episode wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, as well as all of our friends on Patreon. If you want to get a hold of us, again, Instagram, Twitter, Untapped are all great places. You can find us at Fresh Hop Cinema. Hit us both up on Letterboxd for movie stuff at Max Minardi at Johnny Summers. Shoot us an email, fhccast at gmail.com. Uh, or at the very least, find it in your beautiful souls to give us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do your thing. Uh, I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers, and we will see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.